0: Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And on this uh, episode, we are joined uh, by uh, writer, uh, singer, musician, and all-around ridiculously fantastic person, Julian Stewart. Hi folks. How's it going? How's your week going?
1: Oh, you know, the world is disintegrating, I'm working full-time, and... uh, Did I mention the world is disintegrating? It seems to be doing that enough to mention it twice.
0: You know, it's it's hard to focus on anything else when like everything is constantly melting, melting, melting like a Carvel ice cream cake in the rain.
1: Why is everything on fire? How is everything on fire? Shouldn't we put some of the fire out before we light some more?
0: <sighs> you I don't would think so. Which side note? Now that I've mentioned a cake out in the rain, it just makes me think of Macarthur Park, <laughs> um, which is one of the most insane songs ever written. I think
1: absolutely, it makes no sense and it goes on forever, and it's. It's an inspiration to us all, really, to just follow our dreams.
0: Yeah, although I do love any song that's just somebody screaming about having left a cake out in the rain and then lamenting, and I'll never find that recipe again, oh no, and saying, oh no, way too long. It's like someone's having a nervous breakdown in the park.
1: You know, you couldn't write that song today because you just go back on food.com. It's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's listen. Life, life is life is cheap these days. Um. So we, uh, so on the show, we uh, usually like to ask new guests, uh, and this is your first time on the podcast ever, which is very exciting.
1: It um, is, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So what? Uh, what is your background with horror movies? Like, did you when you were growing up? Uh, did your did your folks let you watch horror movies? Were you a fan of them? Did you come to it later? Do you like horror movies? Would also be a good question.
1: No, I hate horror movies. What am I even doing here? Did I get the wrong bus? No. um
0: (laughs) I mean, although honestly, we we have had guests who we sort of realized during this question that they're like, oh, I don't really like horror movies. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, So
1: my background with horror movies is somewhat recent. Um, I have decided, my husband and I have an initiative that we call Garbage Night. And once a week, as is traditional, um, we sit ourselves down with some takeout—the um, saltier the better—and we sit down in front of some movies and provide some running commentary. Again, the saltier the better. Uh, <laughs> and so, was
0: garbage night. What a what a fantastic tradition!
1: It's so good, and so we've been sort of scraping the bottom of Tubi. Uh, oh, <laughs> which, Tubi. It's, it's a beautiful resource. It contains so many incredibly bad movies. It's it's mm-hmm. a wealth of incredibly bad movies. I had no idea.
0: Well, and, and Tubi right now, I feel like uh, Shudder sort of gets credit for being like the really sort of like gonzo, you know, selection of movies or like Midnight Pulp or other places. It's actually Tubi that has the wildest collection of horror movies.
1: Absolutely. Like Shudder actually has some good stuff on it. Whereas to mm-hmm. be um, generally we pick by the cover art and how likely we think it is to actually be porn. And sometimes we're yeah. wrong and it is porn. Um, <laughs> the I 1970s mean, were a very interesting time. I tell you what,
0: you know, I feel like that's all there was to do in the 1970s was like, you know, wherever two or more were gathered. Uh, I think one person would have to announce, ah, shit, it's the sexual revolution. And everybody, you know, sort of spontaneously grew pubic hair and bell bottoms. And every like the film gradient had a weird yellowish tint. And it was, you know, that was just uh, that was just the style of the time, I think.
1: I've also noticed that there's a very curious overlap between the phrase introducing and a female scanning name, and how likely you are to see that person's breasts that's pretty much what introducing means to me in
0: film credits these days, yeah, well, especially for the nineteen seventies like I feel like uh so if you know like my my thing is I feel like when the Hayes Code ended, and the nineteen sixties happened, everybody was kind of like sort of bad uh sort of sex comedies where it was. You know, movies with titles like, not with my wife, you don't. And then by the (laughs) 1970s, I think that was their, like, they were drunk with power because they were like, dude, we can show titties and not even get arrested.
1: Yep. And uh, And thus we get things like 10 Angry Women. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I knew what we were clicking on when we did that, but we did not get all that far because we just we couldn't it turns out there's a limit to how much you can unironically watch
0: Mm -hmm. well and this is that's that's exactly right like we especially on this podcast we are goddamn we are coming up on about 500 movies that we have ranked
1: which is an amazing Um, amazing accomplishment by the way
0: my thank you i I, thank you i appreciate that and also i'm a fucking moron for undertaking this and my brain is mostly greek yogurt
1: look everyone Um, needs a hobby
0: Absolutely. And mine is just sort of cramming the worst uh, filth in the world into my eyeballs. Um, but I feel like so, so frequently, so frequently with horror movies, especially from the 1970s, it's not the sleaze that bothers me. It's ineptitude. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. If, if a movie like, is disgusting and has sort of, you know, blood flopping out everywhere and titties and et cetera, like that's perfectly fine. But at least do it intentionally.
1: Yeah. And I mean, follow through on your premise that's what tends to get me is like, we watched, um, I cannot remember the name of it, but it was one of your your classic gothic wear something, um, where something, uh, where a yeah. young woman goes and inherits a castle from a father she was mostly estranged from, and then turns into some kind of beastie and runs around the town decapitating people. Um, and there was more to it than that, but fully 40 minutes of the movie was... Probably devoted to about halfway into a threesome between her and her best friend character and the sort of love interest who turned out to be the villain because don't they always, um, but mm. he was sleazy so we never liked him. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> And I just like, didn't even like, like him know, anyway.
1: When are you going to turn into this wear panther, this wear jaguar, whatever you are? When when is this going to happen? When are we going to get the payoff for all of the old men with Yorkshire accents telling us, "Oh, you don't belong in this town." Um, you know, when is that all going to happen? Cuz that's what I'm here for, although I'm appreciating the tits, like, you sure. know.
0: But but also I, for some reason my brain doesn't want to accept that tits themselves were actually legal in real life in Britain during that period.
1: <laughs> no sex, please. We're British. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. If anybody catches you with those on you, you're going away for a long time. We don't we don't we don't cotton to that shit around here in Yorkshire.
1: No, absolutely not. Um, you know that way lies ideas.
0: <laughs> yeah, I well, and honestly, especially with like British horror, I feel like Hammer horror movies in general, like. I don't know. I, I, I've i never really been able to get into English horror movies because so much of it is just like almost embarrassed to be a horror movie.
1: Oh, see, I love anything with Peter Cushing in it. Um, oh, sure. So that's, that, that's a guaranteed good time. Um, you cannot get better than that. Huge um, fans
0: of uh, uh, Peter Cushing on this podcast. I, have you seen And Now the Screaming Starts?
1: I don't think I have, but that is a good title and I would absolutely sign up for something like that.
0: Yeah. Honestly, it's hard not to think of him as Grand Moff Tarkin though. Like this is Yeah,
1: but that makes it better because you just picture him wandering around the Star Wars set in his bedroom
0: slippers. True. Taste the Blood of Dracula features a plot that if anybody swallows the blood of Dracula, they become Dracula.
1: That seems like a time
0: saver. Right. Yeah, you know, that's just economical, is what that is. And then Peter Cushing is there as Van Helsing. It's yeah. Hmm. Um So what what ghoul shit have you been uh, consuming, experiencing or otherwise indulging this week?
1: So I have had the privilege of um, doing some beta reading for a friend of mine and also of yours, um, friend of the podcast, Rowanna Silver. Um, And Rowanna is particularly into doing super awesome, super queer, super inclusive um, fantasy and sci fi. And so they have a a series called Steak Sauce, which is about vampires, as you might have gleaned from the title. Um, There is one book right now available to the public on their Itch.io page. Um, Is it it Itch.io or is it itch.io? I never know these things.
0: I always think of it as Ichio, like it's yeah. an old Italian name, like, uh, yeah. it's like, ah, hey, your cousin Ichio, and you-
1: yeah. Oh, no, that Ichio. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, listen, which, by the way, side note, this podcast, we are we are also big fans of fake Italian accents. They are not racist and always funny.
1: Excellent. Well, I mean, you know, in this world where the Italian Elon Musk is not allowed to speak freely, some of us must take up that mantle. <laughs>
0: They lost, that, they lost that blue check for the cause, and I appreciate they them. They did. They did. Lost
1: they them. did a good thing. Uh, but anyway, somebody else who is also doing a good thing is Rowena. Um, and so they have their second book in the Steak Sauce series coming out Halloween of this year. Um, it is... Going to be amazing. I can tell you all that without fear. Um, I am probably about a quarter of the way through it and I'm enjoying it so, so much. So, if there are any people listening to this podcast who like vampires and maybe like good asexual aromantic rep maybe like good poly rep i don't know that i don't know if that that might be the kind of thing that people here are into uh, <laughs> oh sure yeah it's uh it's a good time um and i can definitely recommend that you head on over to uh it's Roana silver s-y-l-v-e-r dot itch dot i-o um and you will find a whole bunch of cool stuff there so there's oh, there my little
0: are. plug <laughs> Oh yeah, that's listen. Jo- like, like I don't know. Like like Rowena is is specifically one of those uh, people who I feel like the, the moment you meet her, you're like I want to read your writing,
1: and you should want to because yeah. it's amazing.
0: It's just yeah. it's a it's a good time. Um, my so the ghoul shit that I have been uh, consuming this week. I uh, did my annual reread of Carmilla, mm. um, which uh, obviously speaking one of, of the first-
1: inheriting a castle.
0: I tell you what, this is my actually this is my favorite thing is sort of uh, gothic manses. Like I, I I I love so much that like uh, Elizabeth I, Northanger Abbey. I remember um, Jane Austen sort of fucks around with and and is like riffing on gothic horror before being like, actually, there's no ghost. Fuck off. Um, yeah. But Car- Carmilla is incredible because so much of it is just it. It's one of the gayest things I've ever seen in my life and. <laughs> It's like Goblin Market levels of gay, where it's just sort of like, what's better than this? Gals being pals, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even aside from, like, Carmilla the vampire being sort of canonically like, well, lock up your daughters because she's coming for them. It's just like, it's incredible because the, the main character of the thing is this, like, spoiled young girl who's just sort of hanging out. And, um... Carmella the vampire sort of comes and stays with them for a bit. And it's great because she'll just say stuff like, just like whispering really intensely to the protagonist, like, You are mine and you must always belong to me, and also date me and watch me do karate moves and tell me that my karate moves are cool and you like me. Um, <laughs> I and, mean, you know, just sort extremely, of
1: extremely, like- extremely relatable.
0: I mean, yeah, I think, I think we all want somebody to watch us do karate moves and tell us that our karate moves are cool. Um, and it's great because, like, Carmilla will, will do these monologues where she's just, like, really intensely professing her love for her and how she wants to possess her. And the protagonist is just like, wow, that ha, ha, ha what a weird thing to say. I don't know what to say to that. And it's just, oh, man. <laughs> who it's, amongst and, and, us has not. I mean, sure. I, well, and also it's great because um, the person who uh, sort of edited the uh, the – this release of Carmilla and added like footnotes and, and did a forward was a uh, Carmen Maria Machado.
1: Oh who, yeah.
0: Yeah. Does a great job of just sort of pointing at the text and sort of going gay the entire time. <laughs> so, a little
1: number yeah. one, you look down the page and that's all it says. It's just gay. <laughs>
0: that's it. It's just in blood. That's all it says it's <laughs> just gay written in blood. Um, speaking of gay written in blood, let's uh, let's dive into uh, the movie we're talking about this week.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's.
0: Yeah, which is, uh, okay, so it's called, so uh, many of you have probably already seen it. It is fan-fucking-tastic. It is Tucker and Dale versus Evil from 2010. Um, now,
1: this is one of the movies that when I first started listening to the podcast, I went to the list and I looked for it because this was a movie that I am very, very, very fond of and I did not see it on the list and I was flabbergasted I couldn't figure out why on earth you wouldn't have gotten to it already and so
0: it's a great question
1: here we are we're dealing with it now um no time like the present
0: (laughs) Uh uh-huh well and you you did what needed to be done was you know you sort of uh you know grabbed me by the collar and whispered listen asshole what is it going to take to make you do Tucker and Dale versus evil and then I was sort of like come on (laughs) you know I was like you want to be on the podcast and do it and you were like yes and then here we are I mean, um, would
1: I turn down a chance to talk about this movie? I would not. So,
0: well, it's yeah. Well, and and it's incredible because like I so I come from swamp folk in Louisiana. Like my both sides of my family are pretty fucking cornpone, but <laughs> I you know, watching Tucker and Dale versus Evil, I'm also quietly like looking at some of the settings in here and going, "Ha, nice." Um it's See, now, it's
1: I come yeah. from the folk of the place where it was actually filmed. Um <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. So going through the end
1: credits, um, I noticed that this was all done in Calgary, Edmonton, and Cochrane, Alberta. Um, So.
0: There we go. See, I feel like I was going to say Vancouver because I feel like so many movies are made in Vancouver.
1: Well, this was the thing is that it was really nice for me. I grew up in Vancouver, um, so I'm quite accustomed to seeing my city pretending to be Seattle, pretending to be L.A., pretending to be anywhere where that one alley shows up. There's one alley in downtown Vancouver that shows up in like 16 shows because it's the only alley in downtown Vancouver that looks even remotely sketchy. It's great. Yeah.
0: Um, it's yeah.
1: So watching fringe or something like that is absolutely surreal to me because that's my university campus. What are you doing? Um but <laughs> where my family is from is small town Alberta. So there's there's oh, a man. little bit of that side of things. And um I thought it was really fun for a different part of Canada to pretend to be the states for a little bit. Like, you know, go Cochrane. <laughs> well done. You-
0: you know what, at that at, at that point though, if they were filming in Calgary, Alberta, I feel like they might as well have just made this like what if Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but it's actually just Letterkenny?
1: I mean, I would watch that.
0: Yeah, like if it's just if Tucker and Dale are literally just um Wayne and Daryl from Letterkenny. I'm I'm also good with that.
1: I could absolutely see it working because I mean half the joy of Tucker and Dale is that Tucker and Dale are both such incredibly nice people.
0: That's the thing about this movie is that it's sort of immediately like, Oh no, they're huge sweethearts. Like, especially, um, the, uh, so Dale, um, who is, I think sort of the main character uh, of the thing who is played by uh, Tyler Labine. Um, he, he has, has a little the face. softest boy. Oh, the softest boy. He, the thing is that he has a little face and he tries very hard and he's very polite. I'm going to, th- all right, I'm, I'm, I'm describing that. I'd like to propose a thing. Yes. Is Tyler Labine uh, playing Dale, or excuse me, is Dale, the character Dale, a himbo?
1: Oh, well, actually, given the recent himbo discourse, which is not a sentence <laughs> I expected to be able to say, but I can say, um, huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I feel like he's a peripheral himbo in that he fulfills about seventy five percent of the characteristics for most people, and a hundred percent if you like soft boys. Um, yeah, because he's not like I think the the sort of ur himbo is um, Brandon Fraser in George of the Jungle. That's what I measure all my himbos against.
0: Oh, that's a um, that's a great place to start from. He
1: is my favorite, um, and so mm-hmm. comparing him to Dale. Um, Obviously, we lack the sort of chiseled physique, but Dale wouldn't work if he was, like, overwhelmingly beautiful. He Yeah, if he were, like,
0: yoked work. and had leading man looks, like, it, you know, it, it wouldn't be... So, I mean, like, and his character is very sort of, like, shy, and he's kind of a shrinking violet, and he's unsure around women, and he's kind of, you know, he's he's not used to being a cool guy.
1: No, and he isn't really a cool guy, but what he is is a very kind guy. And he really, he really wants to do his best all of the time. And that is like immediately evident within, what, 20 seconds of him appearing on screen for the first time. Yeah, you kind of just
0: see those, you kind of just see those baby blues and you're like, oh, hi, sweetie. Like, I am, I am here for whatever this guy does.
1: There is exactly one shot where they're still filming from the perspective of the stupid teenagers and everything is lit in gray and blue. And you see his little face stunned from behind, you know, the pickled eggs and the bug spray through the shelf. And he's been caught staring and he doesn't know what to do about it. And then literally the next time you see him, um, they edge more color into the shot. There's light hitting him and you just go... Oh, okay. I know who you are. And yeah. then. Well, and
0: well, and, and actually, and that's a great thing to point out is two things. One, the, so this was made in 2010 and as was the style at the time, the color gradient on this movie is so washed out. Yeah. Like it is, it is a pale, pale, pale movie. And also the the group of teens that it starts out with, which I need to mention all of their names alphabetically which is Allison, Chad, Chloe, Chuck, Jason, Naomi, Todd, Mitch, and Mike. A yep. more expendable group of teenagers I have not seen.
1: I, I have to agree with this because apart from Chad, who absolutely should have been named Chad, I'm proud of him for being named Chad. They could not it. have picked a better name. Um, mm-hmm. There's one point later on in the movie where he does something and he yells, this is for Mike. And I'm like, which one was Mike? God, who the fuck is Mike? I still like they, don't
0: know. Well, and and that's so. Yeah, so we the movie starts, and yeah, it's this group of uh, deeply murderable teens. Like all of them are just swan diving into the grave. Um, and they're so they're uh, ostensibly in West Virginia, and they, um, they 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 sort of play with the idea of uh, you know when you go into town and it's a group of teens, and you get like sort of a crazy Ralph from Friday the Thirteenth character going like don't go toward that camp. It's got a death curse. And, you it's the, you know, you need to warn them that if they go on that, you know, abandoned native burial ground, they're going to die or whatever. Um, So that they can immediately
1: do that thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so Tucker Tucker and Dale, who are Biffles and the the softest, sweetest boys, um, they are excited because they have just bought their own vacation home. Uh, which is a uh, sort of fixer-upper piece of shit in the woods that's on a, on a lake,
1: and um, that is probably one of my very favorite moments in the whole film when they finally rock up to the place, and there's this <laughs> long pan over the cabin, and it's just it just sits there on this ramshackle wreck, mm-hmm. and they go, oh my god it's perfect and that beat beat yeah.
0: beat <laughs> oh my god which is also how i would feel if i had bought a piece of property this big i don't care how fucking like skeezy and run down it is i got a big house in the woods got like a that big is- house
1: in it's- the woods and it's all yours and it comes with its own bone mobile what more could you want in life <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen and board that's how you sweeten the pot
1: board games Ryan. <laughs>
0: That's how you sweeten the pot on Zillow is, listen, she may not be much to look at, but we are we are peppering in a free bone mobile and uh, board games. So you get scrabble and human remains. And that's you didn't you didn't have that. Well they might not be
1: human, could be deer, could be, we don't know.
0: I'm I'm no bonologist, but everything of everything appears to be on the level. And so these um these these murderable young youngsters, which by the way,
1: are they in college? They are in college. They 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 are definitely in college because at least two of them are talking about like freshman sociology lectures. Um so yes, definitely college kids um in fact i believe they get referred to as stupid college kids at some point um so
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: that makes them even more killable somehow because they have gotten to an age where there might be a two in front of their age
0: yeah and they're just sort of like concussed ducklings wandering into the grave the now and actually now that i think about it um with them being stupid stupid college students i think uh dale is not fully a himbo Because it is revealed that he's actually pretty smart. He is pretty
1: smart. Um, And that's one of the things, as well as being an excellent tactic for turning up useful later on in the movie, um, I thought that it was a really interesting way of tackling this character. That you're just like, everything we've been led to believe about this guy is that he's, he's really nice, but he's just not good at a lot of stuff. And he's Mm -hmm. maybe not the most educated. And then it turns out that he has this weird superpower where he can just remember stuff. And as somebody who's got Mm -hmm. a lot of neuroatypical friends and neurodiverse friends, I love the concept of alternative forms of intelligence, of people just being not good at the things that society maybe values, but they're good at things that do have value. So...
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah, and and the idea that you know there there are kinds of intelligence. I, this is, I think, I my problem is that. so you know that thing how um, you sort of can over-identify with anyone because you have too many. Oh, feelings? that doesn't sound like me um, at all. <laughs> no, nah,
1: couldn't couldn't be couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be
0: you. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm different. Um, I I with, with Dale especially, like I also, um. I have an inferiority complex about feeling stupid a lot of the time because I, you know, and Which like not to,
1: you know, so uh, navel gaze, continue.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, l- listen, I'm also, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fantastically stupid on, on many, many occasions, but I mostly it's that like, cause when I was, you know, not to navel gaze too much on a podcast, but when I was um, younger, I was in a lot of special ed classes. I'm kind of slow. Sometimes I I get the moment. I feel like I'm not understanding something. My brain goes into a panic spiral because I'm, you know like oh god they're all gonna mm-hmm. know that you're stupid and so i've got i've got a complex about that and so when i see dale sort of immediately being like you know sort of anybody being like wow well, you're really smart and him being like no 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 and i'm like i would, yeah. I would murder for dale <laughs> like somebody please help dale um and he so his superpower is that what he's got basically essentially, a essentially yeah
1: he remembers stuff um so it's not that he necessarily spends a lot of time thinking it through, but he remembers what he's been told.
0: Yeah. And he now, and, and so we, we get these, we, we, we get to watch these uh, stupid college students sort of talking about a local legend, which we should probably point out that um, the movie starts with a sort of found footage, like reporters found this house sort of thing. And then you sort of see a weird mutant guy with something going on on the yeah. side of his face, attacking people. And And it sort of, you know, bookends the thing because they're bringing it back to back around to the fact that years and years ago, like um, there was a thing called the Memorial Day Massacre where um, there were a bunch of where it's sort of a mirror thing. Right. Like there were college students hanging out on the lake and a bunch of hillbillies popped out to murder them. Um, And so you get Chad now. All right. So Chad, and once again, you're completely right. His name is Chad, and it should be Chad. good for him. And he's
1: smoking a cigarette um, and using an inhaler at the same time.
0: I also feel very seen by that because I smoked for 15 years and I also have pretty bad asthma. Um, not not a not smart, a smart move. move, but at least not not my not not a great move, but at least I don't look like one third of a Peter Facinelli. Um, <laughs> Chad, th- I, this actor God bless him, he looks he has this pinched little needle dick face that, you know, and I feel like he was serious back five and yeah, like you see this face and you're just like, I this is the worst thing I've ever seen and he has uh, it's like plumage, this popped collar, like it's just, he's wearing this uh, <laughs> uh, Robin's egg blue shirt that has the popped collar and he's just like Yeah, there were a bunch of hillbillies and they killed people. And he's also like pretty rapey with the vibes. So the first time he approaches Allison, who
1: is the main girl, Mm -hmm. obviously, and obviously the main girl, because nobody else gets more than like a couple of seconds of screen time before they cut
0: away. Kind of a final girl a little bit like does she count as a final girl or is this sort of an inversion of that?
1: I mean, she kind of does, but she counts as a final girl in the same way that this movie counts as a horror movie. Yeah, Uh, because this movie is two to three movies at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the beginning of the movie, they're still trying to be mostly a horror movie. So we have the scene where, you know, our young blonde ingenue is all alone in the foggy campsite um, Mm -hmm. doing something that is totally irrelevant in the back of a car and you know there are the, the crackling noises and she's going guys guys because she's never seen a horror movie
0: right before. horror movies don't exist uh, in this universe
1: and from the other side of the glass of the back of the car the hatchback you know a figure looms up and it's fucking chad and his fucking axe <laughs> fucking chad and Chad has some kind of psychological attachment disorder involving this axe. He does not put it down for most of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I just I kept thinking, you know, he's trying to flirt with Allison at this point. He's trying to put the moves on her with a hatchet in his hand. Because that's what chicks dig, you listen, know? I, Being approached by a kind of a rapey dude with an edged
0: weapon. Listen, I, I not not to bring up put down the ducky from Sesame Street as praxis <laughs> for um, project management. You got to put down the hatchet if you want to neg the female lead. Like- I mean- If you're going to be a- How did he think that was going to go? I, he's- Listen, I feel like he is aware of a few things- shirt, um, hatchet. <laughs> I do this. And that's his, that's all like everything outside of.
1: Yeah. And oh. he's special mentioned for the hair as well. His hair is uh, exactly as much plumage as the shirt. It goes up and it does that very much.
0: Oh yeah. Wait, can you describe the- So how his haircut is, uh, I think one of, I-, I feel like it deserves billing in this movie.
1: What it reminds me of, um, as your listeners probably will not know because none of them know who I am. Um, I live in Australia oh, and we have large herds of marauding parrots. <laughs> and of that lot, um, there are particularly large ones. They are like turkey sized birds. They are very I'm big. sorry, they're, you're um, saying there are... are
0: roving gangs of them?
1: Oh, absolutely. The so I am talking about the common or garden sulfur crested cockatoo. They sound like a fucking pterodactyl. I am not remotely joking. They have not forgotten they were dinosaurs. Oh, no. Um, But they have the temperament of a bunch of punk kids. Who have been let out for the weekend and they just want to destroy some shit and have a good time. We've all been there, and that is entirely what cockatoos do. They just want to destroy some shit and have a good time, and they have this amazing crest of feathers that they put straight up in the air whenever they feel like it, but particularly when they're trying to make a statement about how large and important they are. And that's what Chad's hair does. It just floofs itself up to make him look. More like an alpha. See,
0: this is, side note here, the the entirety of Australian bird, like the the little man behind the computer in my brain, I was thinking of sort of avian Australian beings, the only one I came up with was magpies, who terrify me from what I know of them in Australia.
1: Magpies are fucking amazing. Um, We love them. We cherish them. They are pointy murder birds, um, and we respect them and pay them protection biscuits, well, not biscuits usually because they don't like that as much, but they're very fond of raw meat. I realize I'm not selling them. No, at all. no, uh, no. You're you're this is they're lovely there. The thing with magpies is if you pay them protection money, um, they are smart so, they're the so they fucking will learn to recognize ma- your face. They're
0: the sky mafia. Like as long as you
1: They are absolutely the sky mafia, yeah. but they will remember you. So if you pay off all the birds every spring, they will never swoop you. They never swoop my husband they never swoop the dog um they realize that we feed them so they leave us alone ah, right. um
0: so you have an and understanding
1: cockatoos have no such sense of loyalty they're just here to fuck mm. that's what they do
0: <laughs> so Fucking australia i everything every new thing that i learn about australia just justifies everything that i have already believed about australia
1: it's a magical wonderland i don't
0: know if the united states is like this for people in other countries that like every new thing you find out about the united states is just like yeah it is fucking bizarro land
1: yeah i mean i think people are more aware of the united states as being real unfortunately but
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's the worst thing about the united states is all all of this is listen if you die in the united states you die in real life that's Mm -hmm. that's the worst part Um,
1: And you're approximately 70% more likely to die in the United States.
0: We're, we are so good at people dying. Um, but so, yeah, so Chad is, he's creepy as Speaking shit. of people dying, I mean, yeah, he's, <laughs> Back to the movie. I mean, Chad is a great sort of avatar of like young American dudes. Like, he's just creepy yeah. and pushy, and he's got, he tries negging her and then tries being uh, Allison and then being like, ah, but you and me, we're different and better than other people, and anyway, you should make out with me. And then she's like, yeah, no. And he's like, oh, geez, I got a hatchet. And now, after this point, so they, they, as, As with any cast of young people worth their horrible salt, they decide to go skinny dipping.
1: Which is amazing because clearly they already know they're in a horror movie, but they still do this.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like they they they're obviously like, well, we've gone out into the woods. We've had a couple of uncomfortable encounters with some of the, the, the local people because we're, you know, bigots and we don't like people who wear overalls, probably. But they decide, you know, to sort of put <laughs> throw caution to the wind and get naked and jump in that lake. Um, and so Allison um, gets up on a rock and she's about to jump off. And at this point, uh, Tucker and Dale are in a, a a little a little schooner, you know, like they're 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 fishing at night. Which, by the way, it feels unwholesome to me. Fishing at night.
1: Apparently, it is actually the best way to do it because the fish are a little bit more active and they also can't see you as well. So they're more likely to actually come and bite rather than going the fuck you doing. Well, there we go. But you know, all that aside, Mm -hmm. they are out in the marshy areas under the trees, bothering some fish and along comes some pretty young people taking their clothes off. And you know, that's, news for this. that's the
0: problem with calgary is all the naked young people that pop up out of fucking nowhere like zoo bats like you can't swing a cat without a group of nubile 20 something college students just popping out of the ether and just nakeding all over the place and you've got to deal with that you're trying to fish at night
1: i'm just gonna tell you that in in no way lines up with my experience of calgary
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah calgary is not a, a hot spot for for the young folks um but I mean, it's good for stampede, and that's about it. See this if you, you enjoy people like
1: being thrown from bulls.
0: Yeah, this is. Wait, do, do you mean stampede wrestling?
1: No, I mean the Calgary Stampede, which is literally a bunch of dumbass young cowboys deciding to provoke the anger of an animal that is approximately forty times their weight.
0: Ah, see Let's this. See what
1: happens because that's fun.
0: See this is because okay, when, when you said stampede, there there was a, a Canadian um wrestling promotion called Stampede Wrestling. I I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of the uh, the the Hart family. Um like Bret Hart and Stu Hart and the big big Canadian wrestling dynasty and their their promotion was yeah. Stampede Wrestling. I don't know. Like it's yeah, Canada, I got to tell you most of what I know about
1: Canada. You mean the Toronto Hearts, yeah? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean like most of what I know about Canada, I know through my Canadian friends, which you are primary amongst. And so I yeah, no. I. you could all be fucking with me about everything involving Canada and I would have no choice but to believe you. Um, and then there's the Australia factor. So, you know, <sighs> G- fucking geography. Believe
1: me at your own risk. Yeah,
0: I, and and I do. Um, but so Allison uh, <laughs> sort of is about to jump off the rock and she notices a boat with two dudes in it and yells and falls and hits her head. And Dale, um, because he's a nice, nice boy, um, fishes her out and gets her in the boat. When her, when um, I don't know, at least one of the people whose names are either Chloe, Chuck, Jason, Naomi, Todd, Mitch, or Mike, um, <laughs> they they notice her being dragged into a boat, and they go, "Oh no, she's been kidnapped by hillbillies!" And they all run away and leave her to die immediately. Now, to be fair. Mm-hmm. It should
1: be noted that we've got Alan Judick hollering at the top of his lungs. We got your friend, <laughs> which is, you know,
0: yeah. And this introduces the central conceit of the movie, which is: wouldn't be, fu- wouldn't it be funny if a bunch of teenage or uh, uh, not teenage, if a bunch of young people died through a series of splatstick misunderstandings, where yeah. you know you've got you've got the rednecks who sort of are positioned because of deliverance slash every redneck exploitation movie ever made as being like scary, mm-hmm. scary rednecks in the woods. And these are just two nice men trying to hang out at their cabin together. And these kids just do their working bee and get on with their lives. Yeah. Play some Scrabble. Maybe play some Scrabble. And uh, so they, they're they like, oh, no, she's been kidnapped. And they all just sort of d- d- dime her out immediately. Like they, they all run away. And Alan Tudyk uh, and and Dale, I should call him Tucker, but the thing is, that he's Alan Tudyk, so I just want to call him Alan Tudyk. Um
1: It's true. There, there's a an overwhelming sort of. He's one of those character actors that you can always see him, no matter what he's playing, but you don't mind. Yeah,
0: he's he's a real hey now we're talking actor who when he pops up in something, I'm excited he's there. Um, exactly. But so they 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 take Allison back to the cabin. And um, Dale, being a good, good boy, like makes her pancakes for breakfast and she wakes up with a bandage on her head because she knocked her head and she's just like, wow, scary redneck. And he's like, oh, no, you don't like pancakes. I'm so sorry. And he rushes back out to get her different food. And
1: now that reveal, that reveal is actually amazingly shot because he comes through a doorway. He is completely backlit. He's kind of staggering And walking really, really awkwardly. And it takes a good five seconds for him to get close enough to the camera that you can see. It's because he's got a tray in his hands. He's trying not to spill the coffee.
0: Yeah, like he's, yeah.
1: (laughs) There's flowers. And he's just, he's so completely unaware of how he comes across. And it's one of those moments where the movie is absolutely playing with you. But it's perfect.
0: Yeah. And she sort of realizes very quickly that, like, oh, no, actually, Dale is a good, good boy. And we all love him. Um, But so she sort of, you know, talks with him a bit. And, you know, it's it's a bit of a meet-cute situation because they're both clearly, like, interested in each other. And... Well, it's their second
1: meet-ish because they have the meet hate earlier in right. the parking lot of the tiny little ramshackle general store where he tries to go and flirt with her, and he's you know carrying the scythe, side. and yeah. he he cannot possibly marshal his tongue, and it's very relatable, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so Chad. You can tell has been fantasizing his entire life about the moment at which he gets to take another human being's life.
1: You know, preferably with that hatchet.
0: Yeah, he's. It's very important to him that he used this hatchet. That he's. It's his emotional support hatchet. I think
1: it's a comfort object. It's. It's the the blankie of hatchets.
0: It is, yeah. And he so and and so the other. Uh, I forget which which of the disposable 20 something says it but they're sort of like you know trying to use their phone and trying to like call the cops which by the way side note here uh i think that can like canonically in horror cops are fucking useless don't call the cops
1: yeah but you know you have to nod to the idea <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so um, one of them is trying to call the cops and Chad is like, don't you get it? We're all alone out here and like grabs her phone and like fucking throws it at a a tree and it explodes. Um, The fun
1: thing is that everything he's doing is, of course, making them more alone. He's sent the only kid who can drive the truck away. He's broken the phone. And at this point, you know, you're sitting there going, um are you trying to help? You are not helping. And then you realize he is very, very much not trying to help.
0: No. And it's uh, honestly for me, and I don't know, like I I know that my perspective is extremely limited because I'm an American. He feels like a very American archetype. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just like the the, the sort of uh, uh, rugged individualism sort of, you know what it is? He's every fucking guy we've ever known in our lives who was like, Yeah, like if a zombie apocalypse happened, everybody would want to come and hang out at my bunker because I'm really good at shooting. And it's like... He is the
1: personification of the phrase, all it takes to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a
0: gun. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is that he doesn't have a gun. All he has is this fucking hatchet that whispers to him about how they all need to die.
1: But when Um, all you have is a hatchet, every problem looks kind of like a tree you can throw it at with very poor technique.
0: Man, he is just always th- always be throwing hatchets. Like he is hauling off with this thing.
1: Yeah, you, know, you, g- you got to do what you got to do, and if what are you re- got to do is endanger everyone around you, <laughs> yeah.
0: so be it. Your name is yeah. Chad. You've got a hatchet. Um, and so they they all decide like so. Tucker and Dale are like, okay, well, clearly, um, this young lady fell and hit her head, and we got to get her back to her friends. So they decide to go out and start yelling like college kids and just, you know, they're yelling at these kids and they're like, "What? I don't don't know. Like they're not coming out. Like, all right, well, whatever. We'll leave a message for them. And so one of them carves into, is it Tucker or Dale who does this?
1: Um, Well, we've skipped at least one major thing in here, which is that the actual inciting incident To the whole murder spree, the thing that takes it just from, hey, it'd be a great idea to murderize some hillbillies to, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, we're doing this, is that they get back to doing some chores and um, Alan Tudyk decides to go have some chainsaw time and saws into a (laughs) bee's nest in the middle of this log and immediately starts doing a truly amazing uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre impression.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's fully he's fully doing the Leatherface dance, like and just screaming and waving it around.
1: Exit pursued by bees. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and and one of the one of the kids uh, is like trying to walk up to the cabin, and then Alan Tudyk just runs out screaming and waving a chainsaw.
1: And to and- be fair, it's a lot. It's a lot. I would probably run away from that too. Yeah. Um, I
0: mean, even, even if it's got, even if he's got the kind eyes of Alan Tudyk, guy runs out waving a chainsaw and screaming, I'm running.
1: Yeah. And so there's a great, you know, classic chase scene through the woods as the guy with the, sh- the shirt that says Mitchell, which I don't think is actually his name, um, but I keep thinking of <laughs> him as Mitchell because it his just says Mitch, Mitchell I believe on his that. shirt. Actually, um, I,
0: according, to, uh, according to according the, to the synopsis, his name is Mitch.
1: Okay, well, you know, that almost defeats the point of having it on your shirt because it's supposed to say Bob when your name is Ted.
0: like <laughs> Helpfully labeled Mitch.
1: Helpfully labeled Mitch. Anyway, so that was successful because he was the only one whose name I remembered. Oh, um so he's running away from Alan Judick with the chainsaw. And then, like, Tucker passes him. <laughs> and there's this yeah. wonderful yeah. moment of realization on his face of, that ain't right. As the guy with the chainsaw <laughs> gets past him and keeps running. And then he impales himself on a tree. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he now, and it's incredible. Yeah, I love that that slow motion moment of Alan Tudyk running like parallel to him and passing him. And both of them in real time going, wait, well, it's Alan Tudyk going, wait, who the fuck are you? And the kid going, wait, you're not chasing me? And then he immediately gets impaled.
1: And then we have the beautiful slow realization as his eyes are starting to slide shut and this bee comes and lands on his nose and he goes, oh, oh, we've all misunderstood. And of course he's dead, so he can't actually explain anything, but it's beautiful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like just odd, geez. So so Mitch, uh, helpfully labeled Mitch, dies. And this is what kicks off a series of splatstick misunderstandings. Yeah, where so the the rest of the twenty somethings find their impaled friend, and just decide like, all right, well now we've got to storm this hillbilly compound to help our friend, and meanwhile
1: um, the hillbillies are inside playing Trivial Pursuit, which. <laughs>
0: They're just trying to have a nice time. They're
1: just trying to have a nice time. And this is the point where, um, I don't know if you play title of the film, title of the song, um, where you know eventually somebody is going to state the title of the film and you have to yell that out. But um, yeah. the we, we don't have a title of the film in this film, but we do have a central thesis statement moment, which we did yell about when we were watching it um and this is as allison is explaining you know what she wants to do for a living she wants to be a psychologist she wants to be a therapist she wants to help people to sort their issues out and she says all the problems in the world are caused by a lack of communication and that's what this movie is about (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's the thesis statement of the movie. Is like all of this is a, a communication breakdown. Like yeah. this is just people not quite being on the same wavelength, and and comic splattery uh, misunderstandings ensue. Um, I think so. The, the the my favorite moment in the movie in terms of like splat stick misunderstandings, I think I got to go with the one where Alan Tudyk doing he's doing his chores and he's feeding logs into a wood chipper. Yep. Um, and one of them is like, all right, no time like the present. Screw your courage to the sticking place. Uh, and he has it,
1: what I think is the most hilariously tiny knife I've ever seen. It's like a two-inch oh, pocket knife.
0: What are you doing with this what little knife? I on. mean, like, surely, I guess, yeah, listen, two inches is fine if that's, you know, you're if you know what you're doing with it. But he he just sort of runs forward screaming... And Alan Tudyk sort of moves gently out of the way to pick up another log. And this guy just goes sailing face first into the wood chipper.
1: Yep. And then cue like three minutes of total panic, um, which <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's perfect. Like Tucker like is totally trying amazing. and Tucker is trying to hoist this kid out of the thing. And then another one, one of the kids sees him and it looks like he's feeding this kid into the wood chipper because he's trying to pull him out. Yep. Um, it, it, oh my god, this movie! And, and what so it's do crazy, you
1: do in this situation? Literally, how do you react to something like that?
0: Well, I'll tell you what you do if you're Alan Tudyk. You finally get the wood chipper turned off. The legs are sticking out of it, and he just sort of at a loss goes, "Y'all right?" <laughs> Which is fucking perfect <laughs> because, like, how many moments like that have there been in your life where somebody gets like something horrible happening to them, and some somebody standing by goes, "Oh man, you okay?" Um. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I'm perfect. only
1: bleeding a couple of pints. It's fine.
0: I'm only missing my top half of my body. Um, and then and meanwhile, so-
1: back at the ranch, we have Dale and Allison digging out the latrine pit, um, which is, you know, one of those, it's it's one of the perfect rom-com moments in this film. Um, and mm-hmm. this film, one of, one of the halves of this film is that this is obviously a rom-com.
0: Oh, yeah. The yeah. movie
1: that Tucker thinks... They're in is different from the movie that Dale thinks they're in is different from the movie that teenagers think they're in. Yeah,
0: the, the, yeah. Chad is in is in Death Wish and Dale is in uh, Sleepless in Seattle and Tucker is in uh, My Dinner with Andre. I think exactly. where he's just like, yeah, and he's it's on. Well, and it's a really sweet moment because Allison and um, Dale are you know digging a latrine and you know he's like trying to it's sort of mis, misplaced uh, gallantry where he's like oh i'm trying to dig a a a, a shit hole a crap hole in the ground I'm, I'm digging a hole for shit and she's like yeah i grew up on a farm man i've dug yeah. i've dug latrines before
1: And it turns out she's really good at it. And so they're merrily chipping away at the ground when one of the stupid teenagers whose name I do not and will not remember um, decides that it is javelin time and comes barreling out of the woods and trips and gets it through his own throat. Um, And in the process of trying to back away from the screaming maniac, Dale, of course, whacks Allison in the head. Side note. That girl gets hit in the head so much in this movie it's, that it's one of those like how does she not have a concussion by minute 40? How?
0: Yeah, it's it's Giles from Buffy levels of just like knocked out at the at the soonest sign of conflict. Just whatever happens, she's going to be getting knocked out.
1: And I mean, there is a reason for it. Absolutely. They, they address it in the plot as well later on, but, um, it's, you know, if she could explain the movie would be over. So
0: (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like it's, you know, like so much of this relies on not explaining. Um, but so we get, um, so finally Chad gets the upper hand and, um, is able to kidnap Tucker.
1: Uh, I think we've jumped ahead again a little bit. Um, Oh, we did.
0: What's the. um...
1: What happens is um, they, they, Tucker and Dale sort of regroup in the cabin and they're both covered in blood and completely. This is one of the only horror movies that I think somebody who's in it actually reacts realistically. They're both just like, what? What the fuck is going on?
0: And and Tucker's theory. And. It's so good. Well, and Tucker's theory is like these kids have some kind of a suicide pact. Like, he's he is clearly very he's like he's clearly very shaken up by having watched someone hurl themselves face first into a wood chipper. He's just like yeah, I as you would be. I don't, I don't fucking understand what's happening. These these kids are dying all over my property, and they are also genre savvy enough to know, like because Dale is like, oh, "What if we listen? We we ought to call the cops." And Tucker's like, "Yeah, hey officer, listen, I got all these kids dead on my property, but I promise I didn't do it."
1: We're having a doozy of a day. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Julian, uh, that moment- I love,
0: I love Alan Tudyk so much. Yeah, like
1: he's he so good, and oh, his dun so face is his dun face is just a national treasure, and we are all lucky to get to experience it. Um, so meanwhile, Chad is outside going full libertarian on the issue and he's just like, no, it's every man for himself. We have to take what we want. You know, nobody's going to come and help us. Um, Mm -hmm. we just, you know, we got to do this. Um, Yeah.
0: Chad has, has shotgunned his brain force pills. (laughs) And he is fucking ready to commit murder.
1: Yep. And so Tucker and Dale are like, shit, well, we got to go clean this up. And so they go outside and they haul nameless teenager number four out of the wood chipper. That might have been Mike. I don't know. I think it, it,
0: it was, was either Mike or possibly Chuck or Jason yeah. or. No, Chuck
1: was the one who Todd. could drive, isn't it? It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Um, So they go and they haul this lower half of this teenager out of the wood chipper and drag him down the driveway. And as they are halfway down the driveway, here comes the sheriff who Chuck has been sent to go get. And so he gets out of the car and Tucker and Dale have the legs of this kid held up between them. They're just like,
0: well... yeah because how do you explain this
1: and they have my favorite line in the movie which is as they're trying to explain and of course they absolutely go with the entire um scenario that tucker laid out in the cabin not five minutes before including the line you know we've had a doozy of the day but they actually say (laughs) officer do we look like a couple of psycho killers to you (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and I love the, the the utter guilelessness of Tucker and Dale. That it doesn't occur to them that we look like psycho murderers. They're, they're like, I'm just, I just want to hang out at a cabin with my friend. What, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, um, and I mean, they aren't a couple of psycho killers, but they are kind of a lot covered in blood. And you know, there's sure. this this corpse. Uh, there's a couple more corpses, and and Tucker's helpfully hey. pointing out, oh, there's one over there too. <laughs>
0: I mean it helps add to the vibe of being a psycho killer is all of yes. the gallons of viscera and the being surrounded it does. by bodies. This
1: movie does not shy away from coating its leads in
0: blood. It's and God bless. It's pretty corpsey in here. It um, is pretty corpsey. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the cop I uh, what doesn't th- so wait, what happens after that he is so able he goes to... into
1: the cabin with them as the teenagers are going, no, no, don't go in the cabin. And it turns out that for once, the teenagers are right, because the beam with the loose nails mm-hmm. that he leans on comes down and it, you know, nails him in the forehead. Well, and, and, um, and there's
0: a whole gag with this beam that has been a faulty beam that keeps braining people.
1: Yeah, got to fix that.
0: Yeah, got to <laughs> fix that. Um, and yeah, so he accidentally, he he gets himself, he gets himself murdered with the loose beam. And then uh, Chuck tries going for the sheriff's gun and accidentally shoots himself,
1: which is really funny because that model of gun doesn't actually have a safety on it. So really, it does not. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> it's a beautiful gag, though. I'm not even mad. It's perfect, and it is exactly the kind of dumb shit that you do if you don't know how to work a gun, and it's fully, you know. Of course it's what Dale says, you know, you can't, you can't do that. That's not going to work. You need to take the safety off So he's pointing it at him. Um, Yeah.
0: It's beautiful. And
1: and I'm willing to overlook the fact that it is impossible.
0: Yeah. Listen, rule of awesome, you know, like, of course it it couldn't actually happen. But um, so Chad uh, sort of sees his, his shot and he, um, he, he captures Tucker and he he ties him to it he ties him to a tree which upside down by the way to the tree yeah like you couldn't have just like you were climbing uphill to to be a dick when you could just like stand on the ground and tie him to a tree normally
1: actually no we're still we're still missing something i know i took all these notes for a reason oh, um, so they kidnap the dog that's what happens is the dog gets out in all of this chaos and chad kidnaps the
0: jengers side note his name is jengers and he is a very good boy.
1: He is a very good boy. And he is one of those rare cinematic dogs where... Um He is literally supposed to be having a good time all of the time, so they probably didn't have to CGI his tail. Um,
0: (laughs) Which I love about CGI, like with dogs, that when you've got a dog in a movie that's got to look mean, they've got to CGI the tail out because they're just like, yeah, I love to hang out with my friends and chase them and sound mean to get hamburgers.
1: Yep. Um, And so while Tucker and Dale are trying to figure out what to do, they're lying on the floor. And it comes out that Dale's like, no, man, I don't know. I can't hurt these kids. I can't, I can't hurt things. I don't even like fishing. And it's this moment where Dale's just like, I'm sorry, did I hurt your feelings? And Tucker's like, yeah, a little
0: (laughs) Well, because like their relationship, like Tucker is like sort of trying to encourage Dale to stand up for himself. But also when Dale stands up to Tucker, Tucker's like, no, don't do that. Not me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And so they're they're learning more about each other. And it's this beautiful and bonding moment. And then Chad starts shooting again. Um, And so they figure out what they've got in order to shoot back is a nail gun which i mean nail guns don't really work like that but that's okay that's okay um because we get um tucker sneaks out to go and rescue the dog and he says dale create a distraction so dale smashes out a window pane and starts firing off three inch roofing nails at these (laughs) kids yelling and screaming about how you got my dog and he yells this is this is the this is the encapsulation of dale as a character i think Mm -hmm. is that in that moment he is heartbroken he is furious um his dog is in danger and the best threat he can come up with is i swear to god i'll get really really mad
0: (laughs) I would die in a battlefield for Dale. He's extremely good, and he's he's doing his best. And also he's, he's, worried, and he's worried about his dog, which also just, yeah, perfect cinematic dog. Yeah. Um, and so, then, then there's
1: a beautiful chase scene um, where Tucker is running away from the kids, and it's the exact same beat-for-beat beat chase scene that we watched with one of the kids in the 80s. It is... Beautiful, the way they reference that back, but um, much like the girl in the '80s chase scene, who turns out to be important later on. Um, Apparently, yeah. Um, they bash him over the head, and they um, cut to him swinging upside down from a tree. So,
0: yeah, yeah, and getting his, you know, so he he. So at this point, Chad is is fully, you know, he's he is achieving his fucking death wish fantasy.
1: Oh yes, um, he is.
0: Oh, he has leveled up. <laughs> he's 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 bossed up and become a real piece of shit. Um, also, parentheses here. Um, we um, probably need to get to the the climax of the things sooner mm. rather than later because we we're yeah. um, going to be going a little bit over time.
1: Well, we can cut a bunch of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, but also, side note: this is fucking great. This is really fun. i <laughs> we're, we're we're doing really great. Um. So he, uh, what? So he tortures the shit out of Tucker, and then uh, Dale has to save his friend. Now, yeah. there's a thing that kills me here. I'm gonna say the the moment, like the the highlight of the movie for me, and the thing that I always think about when I think about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, Tucker, is, Tucker is trying to encourage Dale to like go save Allison and help her because Chad is a maniac who's going to probably hurt her and also everyone. And Tucker, who has been sort of not negging Dale because that implies like a gross power thing, Hmm. but, you know, his his friend is, is, you know, a bit of a a bit of a doofus and Tucker sort of, you know, enjoys sort of picking on him a little bit. But he tells Dale, like, listen, when we were kids and I told you that you were just better at catching frogs than I was because I was letting you do it, you could do it the whole time. I was just telling you that because I felt threatened
1: yeah and it's it's this beautiful best friends forever moment and it's incredibly earnest in the midst of all of this chaos they take like two minutes to have this really heartfelt discussion and that's you know one of the core moments that makes this just such a soft movie really even Mm -hmm. for everything being covered in blood uh (laughs)
0: That's that's the thing, is like there's like a there's like a chart with like an X and a Y axis and it this is the perfect intersection of splattery and soft. Yeah. Where like the deaths are so fucking Grand Guignol, just like blood and viscera everywhere. And also this movie's heart like again, the movie that the character Dale thinks he's in is so fucking sweet. Yeah. And yeah, like honestly, that bit where it was like Tucker telling him that like you had the magic inside you the whole time Dumbo like yeah. i i was watching this and immediately just got choked up and started crying cuz it was just like oh no he they love each other so much
1: they love each other so much and it's so ridiculous and Tucker's just like you know what you can do this you have a destiny and it's the destiny talk that you get when you're the protagonist in a rom-com um you go go after her Dale she needs you now more than ever he says and that yeah. you know that's a line straight out of like Steel Magnolias or something I don't even oh, know oh yeah that. which a um, side
0: note f- side note fucking love Steel Magnolias <laughs> like I will never I will never not like that movie
1: yeah, so there's this beautiful moment of tenderness, um, and then we remember we're in a horror movie, and it's back to never mind the buzzsaws. Um- <laughs> <laughs> the f-
0: fuck, God damn it! Yeah, so yeah, so we, we we get the 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 final the final boss moment of the movie, and and in a great fucking reveal, um, because. Dale realizes how these other characters have seen him this whole time Mm -hmm. as being a big, scary redneck. He straps on a welder's mask, gets a fucking chainsaw, and he's like, All right, you want to see a big, scary redneck?
1: You want to kill her, Hillbilly? Yeah, And then he walks in And Allison screams And it takes all of three seconds Before the welding mask is off And the giver hat is back on Because he's Dale He can't be a big scary hillbilly He's Dale It is the antithesis of who he is
0: It's so good Side note, you know what it is Did I ever tell you about um, uh, The my name is Mike and I live in Kenosha moment Yes Yeah yeah, where it's yeah. just like this big scary guy who cannot bear to keep the thing up because it's hurting someone. So he bursts in Allison screams and he's like, "No, no, hey, hi, it's no, it's me, it's Dale."
1: <laughs> Cuz yeah.
0: he doesn't he doesn't want to upset anyone. Um, and it's a beautiful
1: but, mirror of the first time he walks in backlit and she freaks out and it's just Dale, it's just Dale.
0: It's just Dale. And so by this point uh Chad uh, has been burned by a fire and he um Which I'm also not wild on the physical disability part of that, where Mm. like Chad is, I don't know, I feel like he's meant to look scarier and more garish because he's scarred on the side of his face.
1: I feel like they were trying to go for like the Freddy Krueger effect of, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody should look horrifying. And because up till this point, he's been like, he does have a rat face, but it's an Mm -hmm. objectively perhaps pretty rat face. Um, And so now his evil is revealed, and although the disfigurement trope is kind of icky, um, it's definitely a trope.
0: I mean, for sure. I can see
1: why they'd go for it, even if it is kind of icky. And also, like... They did do a really thorough job of blowing up that house.
0: <laughs> yeah, it got blown the fuck up. Um, and so Chad, you know, he's he's looking sort of gnarly, and and he sort of it's revealed, um, that the Memorial Day massacre that actually the the rednecks that Chad has been sort of dedicating himself to murdering, it was actually Chad's father who was the scary hillbilly that killed everybody, um, yeah. during the Memorial Day massacre, and he's like sort of
1: like no we that's not true this moment how can i be half hillbilly which is the most privileged white college dork thing i've ever heard
0: <sighs> that's the yeah that's the silliest shit in the world like that's honestly like it makes me think of how um christina's uh awful shitty uh, family is like was scandalized to find out that they had irish in their family lineage and wasn't totally scottish like that's the level of like sort of weird white person racism that's like, no, I'm part hillbilly. I'm the wrong kind of white people. <laughs> S- I'm the God. store
1: brand mayonnaise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm great value white. Um, and, and so he, uh, Chad, uh, becomes like sort of driven crazy by this. And Dale um, chucks a box of tea at Chad who has asthma, which I don't know about tea causing asthma attacks.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually bother checking on Wikipedia whether chamomile can cause anaphylaxis or not. I'm just going to take it as red.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the movie where people have been doing the Fosberry flop into wood chippers and fully shish kabobbing themselves at full speed while running. You yeah. know, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Cam- <laughs> well, I- camom- why not? Chamomile tea, d- deadly for asthma sufferers. And so Chad sort of goes, wah, and falls out a window. Um, yeah. And is later on, like, the the book-ending device at the beginning of the thing, like, he he gets found by the crew and he, like, attacks them or whatever. Um,
1: Leaving the door open for a sequel, of course. Which, by the way, I'm tapping my wristwatch here that I'm not wearing. uh Uh-huh. When is that happening?
0: Where is Tucker and Dale versus more evil? Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so Allison ends up with Dale, basically. Yep um they those two crazy kids make it and we 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 get a moment at the end of the thing where there's another hillbilly who's like oh man i really want to talk to some girls uh and dale encourages him to like just be himself which is the thing tucker encouraged dale to do
1: and it's Um, just as bad advice that time too
0: what it really comes down to don't be yourself if yourself doesn't know how to talk to girls Like,
1: Don't be yourself if yourself is a creepy jerk. That's yeah, if that's an aphorism, yeah. you can take to the bank.
0: Yeah, be yourself unless who you are sucks, and then be someone else. <laughs> um, but so yeah, we sort of it's a well, oh, here we go again thing where he he the hillbilly tries like impressing the girls and accidentally knocks one of them out. Yeah, um, but I mean, so I, look,
1: I kind of didn't love that. That was the ending. Th- I think they should have sort of cut to black when they kiss and everything's fine because at the end of course he's dragging the girl off by her elbows and I'm just like "Mm, did we need the overtones of rape did we really we were doing so good here but
0: yeah well and because it now this movie also does play with the deliverance thing at first yeah, where it's the college students doing the squeal like a pig line and it's I think meant to look shitty and banal from these kids when one of them says it yeah. Which is good because like listen, I have seen Deliverance exactly once and I'm kind of okay. Never seeing it again.
1: I have not like, seen it at all, and I'm kind of
0: okay. You're not missing shit. Like it's not it's not it's not a fun watch. Um but yeah, like it could have done without that. I don't know, like I the ending should have just ended on both of them kissing, but I feel like for the amount of goofery in this motion picture, maybe they felt like they couldn't just leave it on a nice note.
1: Yeah, potentially, but still, like it's it's an object lesson in quit while you're winning.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. So yeah, so so many
1: wins in this movie. It's got so much heart. It's got gets everyone to the end that needs to get to the end, including the dog. You know, full props for that.
0: Honestly, the fact that Jengers uh, makes it to the end of this motion picture is so important. It is Um, so important. And this is my thing. I know that I am a hypocrite. Movies that kill children, I'm kind of on board with, like ideologically. That
1: kid's done. Like I've met some kids. Uh
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the Babadook. That kid, while watching it, and this is intentional in the movie's part where you're watching this kid sort of wilding up and cutting, you know, wilding out and cutting up, and you're quietly like, I kind of want this kid to buy it, you know? Yeah. And but so like movies that kill the dog, I have no truck with it. I do not support it. There are
1: no dogs that deserve to be killed. All dogs are very good boys or girls, and they mm-hmm. they they should all survive the horror movie.
0: Yeah, they should all be okay. And J- so Jengers, the the wrinkly bulldog, uh, is okay. So yeah, so th- and uh, so that's the that's the movie. It it is uh, now all right. So I feel like as far as meta horror comedies go. I feel like I, I mentally always want to put this in a triple feature with Cabin in the Woods and Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, which is
1: complicated for me because Cabin in the Woods sort of trespasses a little bit too far in the direction of being a genuinely scary horror movie. So I uh-huh. can't watch it. Um <laughs> Because I like to sleep. um well,
0: that's the thing is like the murder sequences in like Leslie Vernon, like, first of all, I don't really like that movie anyway, because I think it, mm-hmm. it i think I think Leslie Vernon thinks it's way smarter than it actually is, and it's actually just the same mis- misogynistic shit it thinks it's riffing on. Mm. Um, uh, I yeah,
1: what I'd also, you know, put it up against i think it needs to be in the conversation with scary movie because what it's trying to do and what it keeps getting held up against is that it's a parody horror movie it's not a real horror movie because it's funny it dares to be funny in the midst of all of the impalements well Um, and that's
0: and and that's exactly right like the the thing is that this could be a five minute saturday night live sketch but they do
1: so much more with it
0: yeah, where like if if the the conceit of the thing is just what if teens kept dying through a series of wacky mishaps and these rednecks are actually just trying to have a nice time, um, the heart thrumming behind this movie, like that's what saves this movie for me. Like if this movie, now there are a couple of moments with Tucker and Dale where it's kind of doing a like, yeah, hey, what if they were gay sort of moments, but I almost feel yeah. like that's a almost kind of a product of its time with being in twenty ten. Yeah, because that was kind of everywhere in 2010 was like there's a scene where Tucker and Dale are they get pulled over by a cop and there's like a sort of oh no, it looks like one of them is giving the other one a blowjob while driving sort of moment and the cop gives them a disgusted look and it's like a whole gag that I'm sort of sitting there going like, wow, this is a fun and great time and we're all having fun watching this. Yeah, Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know like it, it has those moments, but I feel like. The heart behind this movie is so good that it is more than just a gag that goes on for an hour and a half.
1: Absolutely. And they actually managed to say something useful with it, um, which is not a thing I can say about Scary Movie. Uh
0: (laughs) I mean, that was sort of, I mean, that was what, 1999, 2000?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it was that time of comedy where everything was very broad and very gross and very juvenile, and that was what we were leaning into as a culture, and I don't know why we did that, Um, but (laughs) we did do that, and so... Again, as a product of its time, even as a product of its time, it's still kind of gross. So I think they could have gone farther in the direction of it being slapstick than they did. And they could have gone farther in the direction of it being goofy than they did. And they did pull back from that a couple of times and actually give it a real serious heart where they're genuinely trying to say something about how people should listen to each other and, you know, people who are different are okay and you shouldn't judge people just based on your first impressions of them.
0: Right. Maybe don't be so ready for conflict that at the first sign of it, you find a hatchet that's your friend now and that this is your personality and life's mission is to murder as many people as possible.
1: Yeah, it's actually a movie that the thesis statement is... You know, listen to each other and don't be a dick. And I think that's valuable. I think that's valuable.
0: <laughs> I think so too. Um, all right. So looking at the list, um, I'm this is this is a tough one for me because I really really love this movie, but I if I'm putting it up against like I don't know sort of serious serious horror movies, it's almost not fair because this isn't a straight horror movie.
1: No, it isn't. It's a rom com wearing the skin of
0: a horror movie,
1: which it- <laughs> which is you know, removed and is raw and bloody, but you know, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's
0: it's dripping. It's dripping in viscera, but it's not, it's, it's not real. It's not a horror movie at no point. At no point, are you the viewer plausibly afraid or like it's, that's just not the kind of movie it is. And that's great. That's fine. Yeah. Um, So looking at the list. All right. So at number 101, we have horror comedy army of darkness. Yep. Julian which do you think is better army of darkness um wait have you seen army of darkness I have not (laughs) okay there we go all right so uh looking up the list a little bit let me let me see uh have you seen child's play
1: I have not and this is where this is going to get a little bit difficult because for the most part I haven't seen a lot of the things higher up the list because they're (laughs) genuinely horror
0: movies oh sure
1: what Tell I you can what, say, though, is that I would definitely put it above the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I would probably say that that area of the list is more or less right, because that's where Fright Night comes up. And Fright Night is also definitely. a movie that doesn't take itself all that seriously. Um, mm-hmm. It's not afraid of having some fun. So
0: there we go. So actually, so uh, do you mind if I jump back into it and ask you if it's better than uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show?
1: It is definitely better than Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um I have a fondness for Rocky Horror because I am queer, I grew up in that time period where that was like right. the most obvious first step if you were queer, you went and saw Rocky Horror. And so I have fondness okay. to it that is completely unrelated to the actual content of the film. I think Right.
0: Um, yeah, and so and and it's at, it's at a, uh, 105. I yeah. think I'm comfortable saying that Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, maybe like Rocky Horror walked as a horror comedy so that Tucker and Dale could run.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: I think I'm, I'm wanting to put Tucker and Dale above Rocky Horror.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Now, at number 99, we have Fright Night from 1985, the, the OG Fright Night with uh, Chris Sarandon. I feel like I want to give the edge to Fright Night just Because I feel like it, A, has that fucking Brad Fidel soundtrack, yeah. which is I'm such a fucking sucker for the love theme from Fright Night, Hmm. um, because it's uh, it's perfect. Um, But I feel like I now tell me, which do you which do you think is better, Fright Night or uh, Tucker and Dale?
1: I think in the context of the list, Fright Night has some more actual scares, um, mm-hmm. And it does a better job of being a horror movie. I don't know if it's as effective as a comedy, but the list is a list of horror movies. So I would, right. I would be okay with saying we should probably rank the horror movie portion of it ahead of the comedy portion
0: of it. Agree. Well, and the thing is also, we're both now as, so as two queer horror fans, I feel like we, the thing is that Fright Night, there's a moment in Fright Night that I think about a lot which is there's this moment with Ed uh, in in Fright Night and yep. Jerry Dandridge in the alleyway where it's extremely sort of a This Charming Man situation. Yeah. Where, you know, you've got this sort of older, you know, queer-coded man being like, all you have to do is take my hand, I'll protect you, no one will ever hurt you again, they, you know, they won't bully you anymore, I'm clearly, I'll show you the ropes of this thing where it's sort of vampires as queerness. And I feel exactly. like- that movie is queer in a way that that director didn't necessarily, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I think it's intentional, but I think it's also meant to be sort of homosexuality as invading boogeyman in your suburban neighborhood.
1: But isn't that Um, like a reasonably common vampirism, homosexuality, queerness link? Like, Oh, for sure. I feel like if you're not playing vampirism as a metaphor for just wanting to fuck everything that breathes or doesn't, um, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, like, absolutely. You're probably doing it wrong. So, and <laughs> and that will hold up across all franchises, I think. Like, that's, that's just what vampires are. That's why Queen of the Damned is still a film that oh, I am man. willing to watch despite being reprehensibly bad on nearly every level. Um, <laughs> that
0: movie, listen, that movie is garbage, but I do love so much That the movie is like, listen, the vampire Lestat with his beautiful singing voice that sounds like Jonathan Davis from Corn, Yeah. Sang so good that he woke up the queen of the vampires by sounding like the guy from Corn.
1: Yeah. yeah, Like, you know, you have to own that sort of side of your psyche if you're going to write vampires.
0: So. Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel. All right. So right below. So right below Fright Night at number 100. Is Children of the Corn from 1984, which side note here, I don't fucking understand the enduring appeal of this series or why there are so many entries in it. What, like, the first movie wasn't, like, it was fine. Linda Hamilton was there and it was based on a Stephen King short story. We're all happy that, you know, creepy kids killing people in a cornfield, but there are so many goddamn sequels in this series and I do not understand it.
1: I think it's just, you know, they got a thing, and they're like, this is a thing, and it was the 1984, and what else did we have to
0: do? Absolutely. Listen, corn children. So yeah, so I feel... All right, so I do think Tucker and Dale, as uh, scary redneck narratives go, I think it's a superior scary redneck narrative over Children of the Corn's uh, scary redneck narrative.
1: I think it's got more individuality, it's got more heart, it's got... It may not have made quite as lasting an impression on everybody, but that's just because nobody, you know, knows a good movie when they see it.
0: <laughs> they really do. Pearls before swine, I tell you. So, yeah. So, actually, I feel, man, I feel really good about coming in at our new number 100 uh, out of, by the way, 470 is Tucker and Dale versus Evil from 2010. Yay! Um, And and also, guys, I think this movie is going to be on Netflix long after all of us have returned to the loam. I hope so. Like, there's got to be
1: something good on Netflix once you've watched Tiger King. You need to cleanse your palate.
0: And Netflix's horror selection is a fucking, is a sadness. Um, It is. But yeah, so that, there we go, number 100. Uh, Julian, thank you so much for being on the show. Where, uh, where can our listeners uh, find you on the internet?
1: That is an awesome question. Um, at the moment, I am mainly on Twitter. You will find me under mine de rien, so M-I-N-E underscore D-E underscore R-I-E-N. Or, you know, just look in Ryan's comments on any given day, and I'm probably in there somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Also, yeah, it's uh, mostly at this point, like, I'm surprised that it took us this long for, for us to do an episode together about uh, Tucker and Dale, but... Listen, that's that's one that's one that we've knocked off the list. So I feel I feel very good about it. Yeah, um, folks, you can find us uh, as ever on Twitter, permanently and abidingly shitposting at Rank and Vile Cast, and on Tumblr and Instagram at Just Rank and Vile. I know we weren't able to get to a lot of listener requests this episode, but if there is a movie out there, like let's say that you're like, hey, you've done Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but you haven't done Red and Exploitation Classic Eaton Alive. Um, you're going to want to send that to uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com or drop it in our ask box on Tumblr Um, guys uh, we have a uh, a Patreon that will give you access to show notes and weird packages that Quincy and I have put together to mail to you full of wrestling uh, trading cards and weird masks we found Um, also you get to be a cool
1: kid who doesn't want to be a cool kid
0: listen I've never been a cool kid in my life that sounds like such a good time um But yeah, uh, that is about all I've got. Later, folks.